0: 23 through 24. I'm going to preach on prayer here this morning. The possibilities of prayer, John 16, 23 through 24, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we need you here today as we begin this month of prayer and fasting. I ask you, Father God, pour out your spirit of supplication and grace upon us. Draw us unto yourself, Father. Build faith in this house to believe you, Lord, to commune with you. Draw us unto yourself, Lord, as a church, as individuals, in our homes, our families. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that altars would be reestablished, that there would be hope and expectancy, Lord God, that we would seek Thy face, that we might live, Father. We ask, Lord, for Your anointing here today, Father, to pierce, Lord, to touch and minister to every heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, prayer is one means whereby we personally tap into divine grace. And we all need grace. Is that right? You cannot live this life without grace. And in seeing this and knowing this, we've got to seek the face of Almighty God. Prayer is one means whereby we can enjoy grace. For to pray is to commune with God. And He is the sole source of every heavenly blessing. Now, we do well to understand that prayer is unlimited in its spiritual scope and power. Amen. We may wonder how wide is its reach and how weighty its influences. I believe you can turn in your Bible and read the answer from Genesis to Revelation. You find praying saints that lay hold of God Almighty. Amen. And through prevailing prayer victory is wrought that's always the testimony of prayer amen prayer lays hold on almighty god it receives a revelation of his faithfulness i want you to know that prayer doesn't convince god prayer doesn't manipulate god amen we're not just storming heaven and and uh convincing god of something that he's not sure he wants to do but prayer changes us amen prayer changes us it causes us to be quickened in our spirit by resurrection power. And then we uh, come alive to God and His faithfulness. The inner eye receives revelation of His faithfulness. And by faith, amen, prayer obtains the promises secured by the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. You've got to ask to receive, amen. You've got to ask to receive. You've got to seek the face of God. Amen. You see, to ask is to humble ourselves before the face of God. To come into His presence and to make our requests known reveals a humility and a dependence that's well-pleasing to God and consistent with true faith. Amen. Thus, the story of prayer is the story of great achievements. Every observation into the life of praying saints reveals a testimony of victory doesn't matter how trying the circumstances that you find folks in if they're praying people amen they always overcome that's an absolute amen and we've all met people like this in our christian pilgrimage someone that was going through something very difficult, and yet they maintained the joy of the Lord. They had the victory. They could have been going through the most awful temptation, or the most awful test. There could have been sickness, the need of healing. Amen? There may be trials, unmentionable. They could be martyred for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, such people maintain victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. You open the fire book of martyrs and you read the testimony there and jump off it jumps off the page at you Here are men and women that rejoice to lay down their life for the name of Jesus Christ and if we do an inventory here this morning of our little problems and our little situations amen it doesn't compare to dying for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we haven't yet re- resisted sin unto blood amen and yet we lose the victory in no time flat. Could it be because we're not really seeking the face of God like we ought to? We don't really see him as faithful. We don't really see him as worthy. amen. we don't really recognize what's taking place in our life. We're not alive in the spirit, amen and that's because we're not seeking God as we ought to seek him. amen. Prayer has always been used to accomplish great purposes and to achieve unusual results the record of prayers achievements are encouraging. Read through the Bible. Men prayed and time stood still. Amen. Men prayed and the heaven withheld her reign. Amen. Men prayed and the mouths of lions were stopped. Amen. Men prayed and kingdoms were subdued. Subdued. Amen. The armies of the aliens were turned back. Giants were brought to the ground. Amen. The mouths of blasphemers were stopped. A testimony and resurrection power was lifted up in light and glory to dispel the darkness that's all throughout the Bible but it never happened until somebody took a hold of the horns of the altar and sought God Almighty for the victory We're not going to get the victory walking around here mumbling about our problems. We're not going to get the victory by complaining about what we're going through or the current condition of things. We're going to have to make our requests known unto God. We're going to have to seek Him as God. Amen? Believing that He is the Messiah or ultimately the answer for every problem of life. Jesus is the answer. Amen? We sing that. We say that. We can Confess that. We preach that to people. But do we believe it ourselves? How can we get other people to enter into faith if we don't exercise it in our own life? Amen. Knowing these things, can any of us afford not to seek the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, Samuel Chadwick, he made this statement. It would seem that the biggest thing in God's universe is a man who prays. There's only one thing more amazing. That is, that man, knowing this, should not pray. We all know that. Is that right? There's not a person in here this morning who doesn't know this is true, that anything, amen, can be accomplished that's within the confines of God's will if we'll just seek His face. It's an amazing thing that we don't pray more than we do. Amen? When we truly come to understand the unlimited possibilities of prayer, then we see it not merely as an obligation or a duty, but a privilege. And until you see prayer as such, you see it not merely as a duty. Oh, I better pray or I'm going to backslide. That's the truth. And I believe you don't need to totally dismiss it as as, uh, you have no obligation. But you have to see it as a privilege, an open door to share our life, with the life of our all-powerful and all-knowing Maker through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And when we think about Him confessing or proclaiming that He was the way, then we may think of a lot of things, but primarily... He is the way to the Father. He is the way to fellowship and communion, restoration of Adam, walking in the cool of the day with his Maker, enjoying communion, worshiping Him, honoring Him, submitting to Him, talking to Him, listening to Him, obeying Him, worshiping Him as Creator and Lord and Sovereign and King. And this is what God intends for each of us to walk with Him in an intimate and passionate relationship. And Jesus is that door that we walk through to enjoy such a relationship. That indeed is what God wants for us. He wants to spend time with us, and He wants us to spend time with Him. He desires that. I can remember years ago when I really solidified a prayer life and I'd been saved a year or two and I can remember hearing a message on prayer and uh, I didn't know much you know about prayer but I knew that I was supposed to pray and I heard about going to your closet I don't remember specifically what uh, my pastor preached but I, I remember he mentioned that verse and I had never prayed that much you know I've uh, been saved eight months or so and had prayed at you've been to church just Went to church continually, but didn't really have a consistent prayer life. I went to the prayer meetings at the church, but just as far as a daily consistency and diligence and seeking God, I hadn't established that. And uh, my pastor preached something that convicted me, and I said, I've got to begin to try to press in. And I remember that I I lived in a townhouse on Nicholson Drive, right outside the gates of LSU, and I had a, a staircase that went up you know, to the upstairs, and under it was a closet, you know, under the staircase, and I I didn't know any better, got a little mattress and threw it in there and knelt down under that staircase and began to pray. Well, it seemed like I was in there about three or four hours, amen, looked in my watch, and I'd been in there maybe four or five minutes, and just time came to a You know, screech and halt and the phones ringing and all the things that I would forgot to do that morning. I remembered. Amen. If you ever forget, what was I supposed to do? Just go pray a little while. The devil will tell you what you was supposed to do. He's trying to distract you. And I remember thinking, how could I ever pray for an hour? How would that ever be accomplished? And I remember... I decided one time, I'm going to just begin to walk. I'm going to walk 30 minutes out, go on the campus LSU, out in a quiet place and walk 30 minutes out. And then I have to walk 30 minutes back. And that way, I'll, I'll have to, you know, learn to pray. I'll have to pray for that hour. And that's how I begin to do it. That's why to this day, you rarely see me kneel. I will kneel sometimes or lay on my face. It's just because that's how I learn. i walk, walking. I'd get outside and walk. And as I began to establish that prayer life, something began to happen. It didn't happen overnight. I said it didn't happen overnight. It happened over a course of of months and really perhaps over the course of years and it came to a time where I was praying at midnight. I, I used to go out and pray at midnight. That's as early in the morning as you can get. Amen. That's the next day and I was there at midnight and would pray into the wee hours of the morning and I used to always park at the Union where we preached there and I would walk all the way out to the levee and then I would get on that levee and sometimes, listen to me, time would just roll away before I knew it. I'm way down at bright side I've walked miles on the levee and I can remember listen to me the presence of God was so real the presence of God was so tangible amen there was a ministry done in my heart and my spirit that I cannot articulate with words I I can remember there'd be some nights I was tired and weary had worked all day and I'd think what am I going to do maybe tonight I'll just you know sleep a little bit and rest and the thought that kept me going Going back was I just pictured the Lord Jesus Christ out on that levee waiting for me to get there amen I had an appointment with him and that kept me faithful Fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. I've been in a lot of good church services. I've been in church services where the Spirit of God has come in and people lay prostrate everywhere. I've heard great sermons preached. But I can tell you this. What was done on that levee in my heart with the Lord Jesus Christ can never compare. There's nothing I've ever experienced in Christianity that could compare with that personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to have that. I said, you must have that. And you've got to pray through to that place. How do you do that? Childlike faith that comes into His presence and lays the burden at His feet, that shares with Him your difficulties, your trials, your temptations, your your fears, whatever it may be. You know, people often come and they'll say, Pastor, you know, I have this situation and that situation. I'll say, have you prayed about it? Well, no, I I, I like to pray for other people, but I don't want to pray about myself. I think that's selfish. Let me dispel that lie of the devil right here today. If you don't learn to pray, amen, for yourself and the will of God. Jesus said, you pray, thy will be be done. Amen. In earth as it's done in heaven. Amen. You ought to pray that. If you don't learn to pray that, you're not going to be fit to pray for anybody else. You're not going to have the strength to pray for anybody. That's not selfishness. The first commandment is to love God supremely. That's loving God. When you come to Him and say, I want to be what you want me to be. And I know I'm falling short in this area, or I know there's a weakness in this area, or I'm tempted in this area, and I want to be changed. I want to be transformed that's not selfishness that's loving God Would I call my wife selfish if she came and sat at my feet and said I want to be the wife that you want me to be what areas in my life you know you've said this and you've said that and and I see that I really don't have that harder or, or there's a weakness in there would you instruct me let me hear your word again to encourage me to do what you want me to do as your wife would I be displeased with that would i would i call that selfishness absolutely not it's the heart of a servant and you've got to learn to fellowship with god you've got to learn to talk to him to open up your heart to become as a little child in his presence and then you're going to enjoy a ministry that supersedes and surpasses every other avenue of grace there are other avenues of grace there's the church there's the preaching of the word there's the ministry of the word of god from the pulpit i don't disesteem that in any way amen it's necessary the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints there's fellowship one with another as we provoke unto love and good works all those things are necessary but i can tell you what god wants to guide you and to teach you and to comfort you by the Holy Ghost. I said, he wants to guide and to teach and to comfort you directly by the Holy Ghost. But you've got to give him time to do so. And not only time, you've got to be intimate with him. You know, I, Brother Todd and I just met. Is that right? Uh, I don't know Brother Todd too well. He doesn't know me too well. And just because he goes to this church, just because he's sitting right there today, you know, he's been coming here for a month or two, and he could say, I've been with Brother Britt, you know, for hours and hours, how many of our hours that has been. But we'll never really get to know one another until I sit down with him face to face and we share of I mean, the depths of our heart. Is that right? When we exchange, when we talk, when we open ourselves up, when we become vulnerable and transparent, one another that's how you really get to know somebody and just because you're at the prayer meeting doesn't mean you're getting to know God amen does it really need and listen to me I'm not I'm not attacking that I think it's better for you to be at church than not to be at church I, I think it's better for you to be at the prayer meeting than not to be at the prayer meeting amen because God can quicken you God can draw you and God can speak to you but listen to me you've got to have the right heart You've got to have the right heart. It's not going to... You're only going to receive what you sow into it. Amen? And if you just go uh, bumbling around and looking at the carpet or just in the morning wandering around in the darkness, amen, and just uh, meditating to yourself on certain things, you're not praying the way that God draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Enter into His courts with thanksgiving and His, and his uh, presence with prayer. Uh, come in and worship Him, thank Him, and begin to open up your heart to Him and allow Him to minister unto you. That's what you've got to do. The possibilities of prayer are unlimited if we will simply draw nigh unto Him. Amen? When we truly come to understand this unlimited potential that ought to provoke in us an expectancy and a hope amen it ought to produce in us you know i I could be seeking god about some things in my life I, i could be pressing in and i could be receiving answers god could be supernaturally moving if i would simply make my request known unto Him. Amen. In our text, Jesus offers us an open invitation into divine power, divine provision, and divine grace through believing prayer. Amen. He said, whatsoever ye shall ask. Whatsoever ye shall ask. Now, I want you to think about that here this morning. That word, whatsoever, that's an all-inclusive word. You need to just meditate upon that for a moment. Jesus didn't offer limitations. He said whatsoever. And that whatsoever, it implies anything and everything we have need of to accomplish God's purpose in our life. Oh, yes, that's what it means. Whatever you have need of and whatever I have need of to accomplish His purpose then that's included in the word whatsoever. That means whatever need we may have to fulfill His will can be apprehended through believing prayer. Doesn't matter whether it's salvation, doesn't matter whether it's healing, holiness, deliverance. Wisdom, provision, Amen. Listen to me. Meditate, analyze your life for a moment here. What's the major hindrance in your life? What's the thing that you face in trial and temptation? What What's the besetting sin? What What's the thing that devil is standing opposed to you in regards to your pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ? What need do you have of here this morning? Listen to me. Why don't you pray about it? Why Why don't you fast about it why don't you press in to the things of God about why don't you make your supplication known why don't you go before God and take a hold of the altar and pray through to a spiritual breakthrough and do you see God in all of his faithfulness and you trust him for deliverance or trust him for the answer that he indeed will provide you must do that amen and so often in this hour, that's not what's taking place. Amen. You may say, oh, I've got a child that needs to be born again. Every parent in here probably could say that. Is that right? I have children that need to be born again. I believe it was Susanna Wesley she used to throw an apron head. I believe she had 19 or 20 children, something like that. And she used to pray hours a day. For the salvation of her children their testimony is they could hear their mother moaning and wailing for the salvation of those children well that woman never preached a revival meeting amen she never preached the gospel on the street amen she never she never handed any will i don't know if she handed someone a track but i know she wasn't a preacher of the gospel but she burst, she sired amen one of the greatest revivalists ever to preach this word john wesley in thousands were wrought into the kingdom because of that but she has a place because she interceded and travailed for her children to be born again amen when zion travails the bible says amen then she's going to bring forth birth And why do we suppose, you know, our children here, they need to be born again? They need a miracle, amen? Just as much a miracle as as you would have to have to go down to this graveyard and get somebody out of the dirt. They're sinners. They need to be convicted, reproved of their sin, and they need to be brought into the kingdom of God. By the same door you and I were brought in, they must be born again. Somebody needs to pray. Somebody needs to ask God. Somebody needs to wrestle in the altar so these things can come to pass. Simply put, we fail to secure the promises of God because we don't pray or we ask for that which is not promised. I preached a message one time. The two reasons for unanswered prayer and those are expressed in James chapter 4. Ye have not because ye ask not. That's the first reason. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. Those two reasons are asking not at all and asking outside of the will of God. So often when people come to me and listen to me, nothing wrong with you going to a brother or sister. And discussing things and receiving counsel, that's good. I'm not attacking that. Do you understand me? Nothing wrong with you, sharing or confiding in a brother and sister, asking for prayer, asking for counsel. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's an avenue of grace. But so often, that's all people do. They're not really praying about it. I mean, I would say 90% of the time that I'm counseling with people, you know, they haven't really put this before God. They haven't really prayed about it. And there's no answer because they don't even ask. Amen? There has to be a sharing. You see, if I truly believe that God is, then I'm going to go to, I know He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It is a mark of biblical faith. Why don't we pray? Why don't we put these things before God Almighty? You see, all of this is an issue of unbelief. Failing to believe Jesus is the Messiah and that sphere or realm of life are ultimately the answer to life's every problem. You see, that's what we, we confess as Christians. We confess that Jesus is the Messiah. That means He's the Savior, amen? And if He's the Savior, then if we can just say He's the answer to everything. We'll go to the Word of God. We'll see this is what He says about it. And then we talk to Him about it. Remarkably, we all confess we have incredible needs while God, with open arms and an impeccable record of victory, says whatsoever. Whatsoever. Whatever you have need That's what Jesus says to us here this morning what's the issue in your life whatsoever you have need of that's in accordance with my will and we know that we can qualify it it's what's expressed in the word of god then just come and believe ask in the name of jesus amen and you can make this a matter of prayer in light of this fact the question for us this morning is do we truly believe the word of god always scheming and plotting. That's what most people do. Instead of praying about it, they scheme, plot, and worry. Scheme, plot, and worry. Scheme, just, hmm, how can I do I wonder what's going to happen. Let's see, I could do that. I don't know. Is that God? I mean, just worry, and then the whole days and hours are spent. Amen. The devil playing semantics and, you know, verbal circus with you. Just, just toying with your mind and having you worry. Why not bring every care? every burden the bible says and lay it at his feet because he careth for you you see that's where comfort comes from the presence of god if you've ever you know practiced this and i would assume all of you at one time or another have experienced this then you know this is true if you hadn't then i encourage you to do so you're going through something you're confused there's torment whatever it may be and you go set aside some time to talk to God about it. And what happens, you may not know what's going to unfold in the future. You may not even have a direct answer, but what you will have is peace. Amen. You pray through, God knows about it. There's a peace that comes over you. And you can continue on to walk with God until the answer comes. Amen. Listen to me. There's not a spiritual dilemma, not a temptation, not a difficulty, amen, that's not covered, in this Word whatsoever. Even the most trifling or small or insignificant matter in our mind, God wants us to share those things with Him. Oh, yes, He does. He wants you to be His child. He wants you to come in humility. In light of this fact, the question is, do we believe the Word of God? Brother Ravenhill said, though it is wonderful indeed, when God lays hold of a man, earth can know no greater wonder when a man lays hold of God. All it takes, listen to me, whole nations have been shaken, transformed by praying men. Whole nations, amen, have been changed. Anything, all things are possible for him to believe amen. The will of God can be manifest if someone will pray it through Alive quickened by faith will always be compelled to draw near unto God. Amen Hebrews eleven and six. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God. Must believe that He is. Do you see how, amen, that approach, that drawing out of God is synonymous with faith. On the other hand, unbelief drifts aimlessly, neglecting the person of God and the possibilities of simply asking. What does it say about our inward, uh, you know, statements toward God and His character when we don't even ask Him about the things that we face? When we act before we ask or we never ask at all what does that say about what we really think about god almighty amen note unbelief struggles to believe that god is remember when moses amen he was at the burning bush and he said who shall i say sent me and god said unto moses i am that i am amen he said you say i am that i am has sent you amen and what that represents is i am everything that you have need of to do the will of god i am holiness i am healing i am salvation i am deliverance i am provision whatever you have need of to do the will of god amen and that's the testimony that god wants us to believe about himself amen John Bunyan said, He that is not a praying man is not a Christian man. How can he say such a thing? Because the essence of a relationship with God is communion and prayer is communion. That's what it is. It's to give. It's to take. It's to submit. It's to rightly interact with our Creator, our Maker, our Lord, and our Savior. Amen. It is the ultimate expression of love, amen, to commune with Him in humble obedience, submissively coming, asking for His Spirit, that You would reign in my life that I could know You and walk in the fellowship of Your suffering, that I would have Your heart, that I would see as You see, Father God, that I would hate the things You hate and love the things You love, that I would respond and react. Fill me with Thy Spirit. I want to be apprehended and possessed by the Holy Ghost of God. These are things, listen to me, this is the essence of relationship with God. Whatsoever no more stirs unbelief than crying fire stirs corpse in a graveyard you get someone that's filled with unbelief and they're dull to the expectancy of knowing and walking with an all-powerful god but if there's but a grain of mustard uh, uh, pardon me a seed of faith there just as the the grain or the seed of a, a mustard seed there is just Uh, but a little bit of faith in any heart than to hear that uh, we can come into His presence. There's a possibility in prayer that we we don't often meditate upon. That'll stir that heart to press in and to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And certainly all things, that's whatsoever, amen? And that's His will. You see, if you just look in your life, what's the will of God? What does God want for me? All that is possible if you will just believe. And if you believe, you're going to talk to Him about it. The Word of God quickens faith to rise from the pit of despair and fall on its knees in believing prayer. Philippians 4 and 6, be careful for nothing. Amen. Don't overlook. Don't say, well, God knows about it. That's being careful. Do you hear me? uh, Oh, God knows I don't have to pray about it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known unto God. I don't know what to pray. Why don't you thank Him? Sometimes they come in here, you know, we have these corporate prayer meetings, and you just get two or three people to be quiet. I tell you what, you can hear the crickets outside. And you know, what what is it about people? I don't know what to say, I I guess. If you can't, thank him. I don't really feel. Thank him anyway. Thank him for the blood. Thank him for the cross. You could be in hell this morning. Thank him that you've been delivered. Thank him for purpose. Thank him. There's lots of things to thank God about. That ought to be a a regular practice. You ought to come in and lift your hands up. Thank you, Jesus for the blood thank you lord that i've been redeemed and you know if you'll start things off like that you'll find that amen you'll receive a little oil for the gears to be moving amen but you're coming here with your hands in your pocket reading tracks amen and looking at they not really looking at the carpet can't even hear get down there three inches away and can't even hear you praying listen to me that's not victorian that's not i don't care what anybody says That is not a victorious prayer life. I'm not saying there's not going to be times where you're praying silently. I'm not going to say there's not going to be times where you're broken and weeping, that kind of thing. But when you continuously have a prayer life where you can't even hardly hear yourself utter words, amen, there's an apathy, and that's what that is. Yes, it is. You've got to learn to lay down the pride and press through. Amen. Be free in Jesus. Be free in the Lord Jesus Christ. Unbelief does not necessarily imply the absence of faith, as all men have faith, but rather the misdirection of faith. Amen. Everybody's got that, that uh, bottom line, common denominator of faith. Amen. But there can be a misdirection of faith. The prophet Jeremiah said, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth. From the Lord, often the unbelieving believer simply puts his faith in what he can see, what he can experience, what he can reason through. Amen. What makes sense to him? What what he hears, what he experiences. Amen. To doubt, more than likely, in most cases, is nothing more than to become alive to our circumstances while dying to the reality of an all-powerful God who says whatsoever. Either I'm going to be moved and influenced by the Word of God, or I'm going to be moved and influenced by my circumstances. What I see, what I experience, what I feel, what I'm going through. Amen. My fear. These time that's where unbelief traps us. We've got to go to the Word of God, and whatever God says about it, we've got to take hold of that, and we've got to stand on it and refuse to be moved from it. Jesus said, Whatsoever. Amen. That talks about what we can come. You know, a lot of times we have the idea as if we're going to be bothering God to talk to Him about it. No, no. Whatsoever. Whatsoever. Amen. And He said, Asking in my name. In that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name. Now, here lies the glorious promise to every believer. A promise of an open door into the presence of the Almighty. Hebrews 10 and 19 says, "...having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus." Jesus said, "...in that day," meaning after His resurrection and through His atonement, That's what he's talking about. After I've died, amen, after the covenant has been ratified in time, after the resurrection, after Pentecost, amen, and through my atoning blood, then you can come into the presence of God and you will ask the Father in my name, amen. We've got to realize the foundation of all faith is our trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to believe that. Because of what he did, the will of God has been secured. Amen. At Calvary, that's where the covenant was secured. All of it. From Genesis to Revelation. Every promise, amen, of God Almighty to mankind is yea and amen to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a reflection of the, of the victory that's been wrought through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that will has been secured for all those who believe and obey and follow Him. Amen? On the cross, Jesus declared, it is finished. Thus, the will of God has been won. The will of God has been apprehended and secured. But yet the victory has to be enforced. Oh, yes. He's already done. He's already accomplished. He's already completed. You see, and I've talked about this before, uh, we pray often for people, Lord, save them and fill them with the Holy Ghost. And, you know, uh, Lord, they need to be born. I don't believe it's wrong to pray that. Don't don't think that I'm saying it's wrong to pray that. But we have this idea that there's a sinner out there and God is going to reach town and now he's going to save them. No, no, he already saved them at Calvary. When Jesus was crucified, A victory was won for everyone. Now it's all up to people to believe that. Now when they truly believe that, there's going to be correlating fruit. Do you understand? I'm not saying it's a mental ascent. But when they exercise faith, amen, they are in union with the saving power. Their faith takes the promise of God, and therefore they're born again. Do you understand? It's already been completed. It's already been done. You're already healed of every disease. You're already healed. That's what the Bible says, by His tribes we were. It's not a matter of God reaching down and touching you. It's a matter of you touching him. Amen. Everyone that touched him, every single one that touched him, were made every whit. Oh, do you hear me? It's a matter of faith, receiving. The woman, amen, that had the issue of blood, she just thought in herself. She believed, if I just but touched the hem of his garment. She didn't just touch his garment and then he turned around and said, Now I'm going to heal you. Amen. Virtue left out of him and she was made whole. Do you hear me? It's already been accomplished in the person of Jesus Christ. And no matter what it looks like, we must believe. That's how you get hold. What God says is reality. Amen. I've got to pray through on that. Not just because I confess it. Do you understand? Not just because I say I'm healed. It makes me healed. Amen. But when I truly believe that and pray through to a place where I stand on this truth and the reality of what God says, I deny everything I see and feel and hold on to it until it's manifest in the natural. That's what faith does. It stands on the Word of God. Amen. The person of Christ is central to our relationship with God. This is the crucial point. Our approach to the Father, our prayer must be in Jesus' name. What does that mean? Amen. How do we understand that? Jesus' name implies two things. Do I believe that when we pray, we should say, in the name of Jesus? Yes, I do believe we should say that. But you can say that and not be praying in Jesus' name because it implies two deeper principles. Number one, trusting solely in His atoning Word. There's no other reason why I can approach unto God but by that shed blood, His death, His burial, His resurrection. It's on this ground and this ground alone. Amen that we can come in that we can be saved delivered healed that provision can be made and we must believe that and recognize that if you if you misdirect your faith and believe you know I'm I'm worthy to pray today and I'm not worthy to pray tomorrow because of some, you know, failure in my performance. I'm not, if you sin, you need to repent. If any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father. But I can tell you, your performance is not what makes you worthy or unworthy to go into the presence of God. It's only by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was a younger Christian, I've told you this story before, but I was reading Charles Finney, one book after the another. He's a great man of God, great teaching. But you know, I took that, as a young Christian I believe when you see holiness for what it is it's normal for you to try to work that out in the flesh it's the normal reaction there's nothing wrong with the word of God there's nothing wrong with the law It's something wrong with the way we respond to it sometimes and early on I would read you know about entire sanctification I remember going out on the levee and praying God tonight I'm believing you to sanctify me holy that I'll never sin again and I would leave that levee and I would say, I'm holy and completely sanctified. A little time would come, and I would fall, and it would throw me into, a, uh, you know, a confusion, torment. How am I deceived? I'm asking. I'm believing. Why am I falling now? See, I had my eyes. I didn't have my eyes on Jesus. had my eyes on my performance. I didn't see it was subtly. I was trying to do this in my own strength. During that time, I'd come into church sometimes if I had a good day. Oh, I could shout and run. I had a bad day. I didn't even lift my hands up. I had my hands in my pocket. And And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. One time he said, on your best week, you still need the blood of Jesus to come into my presence. You still need the blood of Jesus. You're never worthy to come into my presence without that blood. You know, that set me free. Amen. I realize it's not me. It's him. Amen. I believe in holiness. I believe that a man believes and walks and abides in Jesus, he will be holy. But I can tell you, nobody's going to be holy without him. Nobody's going to be holy without his blood. Nobody's going to be holy without his grace. We've got to look to Him. So when we come to Him, we have to come on that ground. And that ground alone, His atoning work. And secondly, amen, humbly yet boldly approaching the Father in His steed. How can we boldly come into the presence of God? Well, that, that whole term or that phrase, in His steed, means we are coming in His place to ask what He would ask, amen, to agree with His intercession for us we must desire what he desires amen he's not going to hear a prayer that's outside of his will are we praying what jesus would pray for ourselves, And I believe the Spirit of God, when He gets a hold of a vessel that has a right heart, then that vessel will intercede alongside the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus said, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in ye, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. How do I know as we pray for Jessica and reconciliation in Joel's marriage, how can I be so bold? Because I know it's the will of God I know, I said I know that He hears us when we pray that prayer and I know that He answers and I know that He's dealing with Jessica because I'm asking in the name of Jesus because that's what Jesus was praying the day that she left we are interceding with Him we are praying His will amen and we ask in His name he is going to grant us the answer. In that case, the answer is he is going to deal with Jessica. She'll have to decide whether she submits to that or not. But there will never be a question. I don't care if she called me said, I've never been convicted. She is a liar. Amen. Listen to me. God is dealing with that girl's heart. I know, be a tr- I know it's a truth because God has promised it. We take hold of it and believe it. Our mediator, amen, is now the person of Christ. He is our high priest, and he is our intercessor. And there is power when we pray with him, when we agree with him. Now, you face something here today. You need to be delivered, amen. Jesus wants you to deliver, to be delivered, and he's praying for your deliverance. Oh, how wonderful it is. For you to agree with him, you're here today, and there's sickness in your body, and you're believing God to be healed. Amen. Jesus wants you healed. That's what He's praying for you. How wonderful it is to agree with Him. You have lost relatives and lost, uh, you know, children or whatever it is. Uh, you have a, a spouse that's not right with God. Amen. Isn't it comforting to know Jesus is praying for your spouse, and Jesus is praying for your children, and Jesus is praying for your your loved ones and how wonderful it is if you'll just agree with Him and pray in His steed. Ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Be careful for, for nothing. Amen. Make your supplication, your request known unto God. Amen. Pray unto Him and God will answer. That is the promise that Jesus is offering us. Amen. There is power when we agree with Him. The Bible says He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of god amen he wants the will of god for you he hadn't left you alone he didn't just throw you a book out of the sky do you hear me and say do it and i'm gonna watch you from afar off no he sent that book in the flesh to live inside of you amen and he desires the will of god to be accomplished in your life He desires that. He wants that. And He will work that in you to His glory. It says in Hebrews 7 and 25, Seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them or for us. When Christ died, the veil of the temple court, which represented our separation, order of prayer, worship. And worship can be defined as simply adoring God for who He is. Whether He's ever done anything for me or not, just He is worthy to be praised and worthy to be worshipped. That is the highest order of intimacy between a man and his God to come before. You know, your your first priority as a Christian is not to preach the gospel. Amen. Not to love, you know, someone else. But your highest uh, obligation as a Christian is to minister unto Him minister unto him to minister unto God to love him to exalt him to extol him to lift up and to exalt him that's what amen listen to me that you read through revelations and what do you see those saints doing worshiping God worshiping God that's your call that's my call as Christians they've been a new and a living way we come in and we enjoy fellowship with the Creator But it's only in the name of Jesus. Meaning because of, through, amen, and and in the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Next, he says, he will give it you. That's a promise. He will give it you. Amen. God has revealed himself as gracious, merciful, and giving. Psalms 81 and 10. He says, I am the Lord thy God. Amen. Is the God of the Bible your God? Amen. Amen. Is the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is that your God? The God that brought the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage? The God, the Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that our God here this morning? Well, he said, amen, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Amen? He said, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Now, I will fill it is the promise. The condition is open your mouth. Amen? You've got to open your mouth. You've got to come. You've got to make your request known. You've got to ask, amen, so that you can receive. The possibilities of prayer are gauged by faith in God's ability and his willingness to do now you, you need to know what the will of God is if you're sick and you don't believe it's the will of God to heal you if you if you believe there's some exception to healing amen then you're not going to have faith because you're not you're not truly believing that God is willing to heal you you understand that's why you got to know the will of God you've got to search the scriptures and once you find out for example in healing it's always the will of God to heal you unless it's a, a sickness unto death amen. There, there can be a sickness unto death. But God's a, not chastising you by making you sick. Amen. Now, I believe people can get into sin and surely they can become sick. But they need to repent and become a child of God. And when they become a child of God, then healing is in the atonement. I'm just using that by way of an example. I've got to first believe that God is able. Amen. That shouldn't be a question for anybody. God is all powerful. But I've also got to be uh, recognized that He is willing to do. Which means I have to comprehend what the will of God is. Because the only limit to prayer are the promises of God. Amen. And the ability to fulfill those promises. Do I have a scriptural ground to believe this? You know, we go in the prisons and preach there, and of course, uh, those fellows—they'd like to get out of prison. I tell them all the time, if I was in here, I'm sure I'd want to get out as well. But for them, you know, they have preachers come in tell them, just take hold and believe that God is going to get you out of here, though you have a life sentence or you know, 25 years, and and God will let you out. Well, there's nothing in the Bible says that, I was just going to reap what you sow. Could God get somebody out of prison? Mm-hmm, he could, in His sovereignty. But there's no irrefutable promise to believe that. So if I, if I, I can pray all I want, it ain't going to happen. Because I need to understand what the will of God is. I can come out here like some of the faith teachers preach, and I can confess and pray and confess and ask. Ask God for a Learjet from here until eternity. Amen. God's not going to give me a Learjet because I don't need one. Amen. There's no irrefutable promise for God to give me a Learjet. I've got to ask according to the will of God. So it's important that I know. But once I know, I can come with boldness into His presence. And I can believe He will give it. Amen. And faith, and all that faith implies. What do you mean by that? Faith is obedient. Faith is submissive. Amen. Faith is tenacious. Faith is going to continue. It's not going to be denied. It's not going to be turned back. So faith and all that implies is the one prime condition by which God works. Amen. Faith is going to ask. And it's going to continue to ask until it receives the promise. Amen. If we don't ask then we're not going to receive, but as soon as we travail and lay in that altar and pray through and continue to seek and to stand on the promise, then we're going to manifest, we're going to bring. That thing that's been promised in the Spirit is going to be manifested in time. But I can tell you without prayer, nothing generally is going to take place in the kingdom of God. We've got to ask. He tells us it's the will of God for souls to be brought to repent. We've got to go preach. Is that right? But we ask to also pray, lifting up holy men, making something. It's the will of God that all men be saved. We've got to pray for them to come to repentance. I remember when my brother years ago, he was, uh, you know, a sinner, and I'd been saved, I don't remember how long, seven, eight years, preached to him every time I had an opportunity. He never really looked that, you know, uh, convicted or convinced or, you know, he was respectful, but he never did really show that much interest. And uh, all of a sudden, one day, he called me and just asked me a few questions. And I I began to kind of preach to him. I don't remember how many conversations I had with him. He didn't, you know, say he wanted to get saved or didn't seem, it was a little unusual because he'd never done that before, but uh, he didn't strike me as being overly convicted. But I remember one night I uh, had spoken to him pretty directly and then, uh, you know, it was late, late at night and I uh, hung up the phone with him and I had to go to work early in the morning the next morning. And I believe Bridget was already in bed and had gone to sleep. And so uh, I went to work and uh, Bridget, you know, was there at home and she was laying in bed and Michael was a little baby then. i a toddler. He could walk and just barely speak. And uh, Trey in those days, he never did come over to my house that much because I was a Christian and he didn't want to fellowship with me that much and, and Micah b- barely knew him but he did know his name was Unky Trey that's what he called him Trey. And uh, my wife was asleep there, and he came out of his room and, and came over that morning, cry, crawled upon my wife and got up on her and said, Unky Trey, and began to wake uh, wake up my wife and just begin to say, Unky Trey, over and over. And it struck my wife as strange, and a burden came upon her, and she began to pray. And she prayed for Trey that morning and throughout the day and really was burdened for him. And I don't even remember whether she told me that. Got home that evening. He called, wanted to come over he got born again that night amen but listen to me there was prayer somebody had to ask for god to touch him to work that in that life so many times Uh, that's been the case in my experience you read of of mr finney and he had a man that traveled with him that was an intercessor they called him father nash and they said they couldn't hardly ask the man to pray over the meal because they'd have a three-hour prayer meeting if he began to pray and they'd go into a town and they would just pick out somebody they'd pick out the baker the baker's name is mr smith and they would pray for mr smith Hey, man, how long would they pray for him? Will they pray for him an hour, Brother Bread? No, no, Will they pray for him six hours, Brother Red? No, no, they prayed for him until he got born again! Then they begin to pray for somebody else until they got born again. And then they begin to pray for somebody else until they got born again. They begin to pray for somebody else until the whole town was swept in to re- to revival. Amen. that's how they pray. You think of that. We're just going to pray until, until they get right with God. You see, listen to me. You read of of Revival. You read of D.L. Moody. Amen. He had intercessors. I believe it was him. Had a a whole group of intercessors be under the stage. Amen. Praying. They had people under there praying. They had uh, W. uh, Nicholson. I forgot his uh, initials there. W.P. Nicholson, I believe, had intercessors. All throughout history, there is somebody praying. There may be somebody out preaching. Yes, there's got to be that. But somebody was taking hold of God and wrestling with Him in the altar, amen, to see someone come to repentance. And this is true for every promise of God, amen. We can rest assured today, He will do it. He will give it, but we're going to have to ask it, amen. Faith is the sole motivation by which a man prays. We pray because we have faith. If we don't pray, it's because we have none. Amen? Because faith produces belief, and belief produces hope, and hope is expected. Amen? Faith gives character to prayer. A feeble faith will always bring forth feeble prayer. But vigorous faith creates vigorous prayer. What does the Bible say? The effectual fervent That means red-hot prayer. Of a righteous man. of Available much. That slow moving, timid, almost can't hear it. Amen prayer. That's not biblical prayer. I can tell you right now. Or it's a weak prayer. At best, it's feeble. It's a fee- that's why, listen to me, there's a difference between the folks filled with the Holy Ghost and those that are not. You go to a Baptist prayer meeting and see people kneeling around. That is. that doesn't make it a prayer meeting. They don't know what prayer is because they haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost. There's got to be a fervorance, a violence exercise, a moaning, a weaving, a pressing in, a revelation of who God is. And when that's not the case, then something is amiss. But listen to me, most of the time, you've got to yield yourself. You've got to yield yourself. You've got to give yourself to prayer. You just can't go through the motions. You can't just come in a prayer meeting and suppose you're going to passively float along. You've got to press in for yourself. Forget that there's anybody else here, amen. And just begin to cry out to God and begin to pray. Now, I, there's some dynamics of corporate prayer. I've tried to touch on some of. There needs to be agreement, but in a prayer li- meeting like this morning, there's not really. We're all here together and we're praying really individually for the service, etc. There ought to be. You come in and just pray. And enter in. There's other times when we want to be in agreement. And let's be very keen to do so. But nevertheless, there's got to be a pressing in. There's got to be, so to speak, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Amen. Focus. Take your will. Set your will on the will of God. Put your focus on Him. And pray through until the Spirit give you grace. You're not going to receive any grace if you don't press through. You just passively kind of wobble along and just go through the motions. There's no virtue in that. If we have faith in God and His character, we will indeed ask. In our text, Jesus exhorts us to ask and to ask in His name or to pray and pray according to the will of God. Hence, the only express condition to He will give it you is to properly ask or to pray. To pray and to pray rightly in the will of God. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find not and it shall be open unto you. That's an absolute promise. We say, well, I know a lot of people that ask the will of God. It didn't come to pass. They must have not believe." Oh, people don't like that when you say that. My, my, my father was sick and he asked to be healed. He didn't get healed. Like a faith. If he's a Christian and there's no nothing in between, no sin or whatever. Maybe it was the lack of, listen to me, lack of faith in the church. But we've got to be real. Amen. We've got to be real. We've got to, the blame is on us. The blame is not upon God. Amen. We're talking about things that are promises, not things that are just, you know, we conjure up in our mind. Things that we want, things that we desire that are not according to the will of God, but things which are clearly revealed in the scripture. How is it that men don't get saved if they don't believe? Could there be any other answer? If someone says, I, I prayed to get saved, but I couldn't, I didn't ever, had nothing happen to me. Well, you could call God a liar. Because it's the will of God they'd be born again, right? Was He the per, propitiation for not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world? Is there any man that couldn't ask of God to be born again if he asked in genuine, uh, with genuine repentance and in faith? Wouldn't God save him? Is that right? Well, what does that mean? He didn't believe! Why is it different for every other promise? every one of us knows it's true that's how we'd have to answer someone if they made that accusation so it is with every promise whatever is clearly revealed in the scriptures if men will ask it in faith amen then they will receive now faith remember when i say that i'm everything that faith implies not just mental assent faith is going to be submitted and obedient to god amen uh, what wonderful promises do we believe there's not a one of us Listen to me. If I told you, not a one of us in this room, well, if you stay up all night tonight, I'll give you a million dollars. You'd be, every one of you. There wouldn't be one for our brother. These children, we'd be having our kids stay up. Especially if it's a million dollars per person. Amen. I'd get nine million or eleven million dollars. We'd have everybody up. Amen. Two picks under our eyelids. A million dollars. We'd stay up for a million dollars all night. But we won't stay up and pray for our lost relatives. We won't stay up and pray, amen, for a church needs the moving of the spirit or whatever it may be this is reality this is where we're at we're all guilty of that even if i told you if you'll walk to baton rouge by tomorrow afternoon Hey, Ben, I'm going to give you a a, a house in the country with 10 acres. Every one of us would do it. We'd walk to Baton Rouge. I don't think there'd be a person in here that wouldn't say, let's see, that's got to be a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'll sell it. I'll do something with it. But I'm going to walk. Come on, get the children. Let's go. Take take out the, the baby care. Let's walk to Baton Rouge. It'll be worth it. And yet we won't deny ourselves for the things that God has said whatsoever. If you ask it in my name, I'll give it to you It's because we don't believe. That's all. If you believed you were going to receive a million dollars, you receive believe you'd receive us an estate in the country, you stayed up all night or walked to Baton Rouge, that's exactly what you do. You would act upon what you believe. Amen. He will give if we will just simply believe. Is there any reason for us not to believe that God will indeed give? John three and sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God's giving nature was revealed in that he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for sinful man. That should settle the question of the nature of God. His giving nature should never be questioned. It says that he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also Freely give us all things that there it is again whatsoever all things doesn't mean anything that we want he's not going to give a man a whore amen that's not according to his will so we know that that we take that for granted but all things means whatsoever anything we have need of to do his will and there's lots of things every one of us here today need that it's in accordance with his will he gave If he gave you Jesus, he'll save your child. If he gave you Jesus, he'll heal your body. If he gave you Jesus, he will deliver you. If he gave you Jesus, he will set your house in order. If he gave you Jesus, he will provide for you whatever you have need of in the spirit or in the natural to do his perfect will. This is a sure promise with validating proof for its claim that God will give us what we have need of if we only ask and ask rightly. Again, Christ perfectly represented the giving character of God and that He never denied, never one time, denied the believing request of one single person in the Gospels. Not one. Just find one. Not one one person came and said, heal me. And He said, I won't heal you. Not one person came. That he didn't cast the devils out of him by faith. Not one person came and made a legitimate, God-ordained request that he didn't answer. That reveals the nature of God, amen. Church, the possibilities are unlimited to the man or to the church that will only ask. Psalms 34 and 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want of any good. What's that any good thing whatsoever? The will of God. Everything in your life, that's the will of God. You won't lack any of it if you'll simply seek the face of God. Amen. At the close of the parable in Luke 18 and 1, which began that he spoke, it said that men ought to always to pray and not to faint. Amen. He stressed in that parable the necessity of fervent and diligent praying. Amen. Christ asked this pointed question at the end. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Shall he find this kind of overcoming faith that will press in, that will lay itself up on the altar and not be denied? Amen. That's got to be our heart. That's what Jesus, he's looking in this church here this morning for that kind of faith that men ought to always pray and not to faint. You say, well, there's a particular thing in my life, a particular dilemma, temptation, trial, test, whatever it may be. I've been walking through it for a while, and I have been praying about it, but I haven't seen an answer. Jesus said, don't faint. Don't be discouraged. Continue to pray. Continue to believe, because He will give it. That's what He said. And we've got to believe that. And finally here this morning, asking so that our joy may be full. He said, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Amen. The two promises expressed here for those who will ask in his name without faltering, without fainting, without being discouraged are answers and joy. Answers and joy and whatsoever ye ask in my name that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He said that in John 14 and 13. See answered prayer what does that do that brings glory to God the Father. Prevailing prayer is birthed out of proper desires in the heart of the believer culminating in a believing request to the Father that refuses denial. Do you hear me? When we take a hold of something, and I'm going to believe. Now, in my life as a Christian, for the most part, I've had a a consistent prayer life throughout, but there have been certain times where I've taken hold of something, and I knew that I knew that if I just stay And right here I'm gonna see it happen it's gonna take place no doubt whatsoever this is the will of God that's real prevailing prayer And when we'll take a hold of the Word of God in such a way, and we'll come into the presence of God and pray through to a place of believing in such a manner, then God is going to answer. And when God answers, there's going to be some shouting, amen, in the camp. When God answers, there's going to be some joy. There's going to be, amen, some thanksgiving offered up to God. Now, desire is the expression of something we earnestly long for, but the true Christian always always says proper desires always says proper wishes delight thyself in the Lord the psalmist said and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart amen commit thy way unto the Lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass now you hear the faith teachers say see if you if you desire a mansion you desire a Rolls Royce you desire amen a pocket full of money then delight yourself in the Lord and he'll make you rich that's what they say but oh no that verse there, if you delight yourself in the Lord, to delight yourself means that you love, appreciate, you you honor, you you glory in what God glories in, and you want what He wants for you. Amen. Who will question, though that desire met, amen, and desire fulfilled produces joy. Now see, listen to me. If you desire a learjet and don't get one, you're gonna be discontent. Huh? So, see, perhaps there's somebody under the sound of my voice and there's discontentment. Maybe you don't want what God wants. And so you're not going to receive, amen, because it's not according to the will of God. But first, if you have a right spirit and a right heart and you want what God wants and then you ask in accordance, amen, with with his will, you ask in the name of Jesus, amen, then you'll have the right desires and those desires will be fulfilled. And who is going to deny that that's going to produce joy amen psalms 30 and 5 weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning a life that travails in prayer is one that experiences the joy of seeing answers amen there's an overcoming there's a victory to be wrought there's deliverance to be enjoyed amen all these things can take place if we have the right desire the right heart Amen. What's going to happen for the man that takes hold and believes God? There's going to be answers. And out of those answers are going to come joy. The man who experienced answered prayer is a man with a keen sense of the reality of God. This is the possibility of prayer. The Word putting on flesh. Christ living in us daily seeing victories wrought and won by gospel power amen you see you get the ball rolling in this direction and someone prays for somebody and they get born again well what does that do it encourages you to pray for the next one but it's got to begin somewhere you see we live in an hour where we are overcome inundated defiled with unbelief even in the pentecostal church where if there's any faith it at least ought to be among people that say they believe in the supernatural But no longer do we have it. There's a complacency. There's a standing of far off from the altar. It's got to begin somewhere. If somebody will believe, somebody will pray, take hold of God, and there'll be a a victory rod. There'll be a healing in somebody's life. Somebody gets saved. Just a little bit amen the wind will begin to blow a little and it'll encourage others to pray and then other victories are wrought and then it begins to snowball listen to me that's what it that's what it means just begin come back get into the altar and believe god and god can move on our behalf amen let's stand here this morning i believe right here in the beginning of this month this is what we want to do we want to believe god we want to come in we want to press in to the person of jesus I encourage you, let's this morning consecrate ourselves for the possibility of prevailing prayer. Let's believe God to press in, to give us grace to pray. We need grace. How many of you know that? I need grace to seek God. I need grace to pray. But let's let's come in these altars here this morning. Let's ask God, break my heart. Lord, I want to be as a little child. I want to know you. I want to come into your presence. I want to believe you, Lord. Oh God, forgive mine unbelief, purge me. From unbelief and doubt. I want to seek your face. I want I want to see the will of God done in my marriage. And I I want to see the will of God done in my home. I want to see my children born again and my house in order. I want to be effectual when I preach on the street. I I need your anointing, Lord God. Oh, pour out your spirit upon me and fill me afresh with your Holy Ghost. I sense my inadequacies. I I sense my inability, Lord, to communicate your grace and your gospel. Quicken me Lord. I want to be the Christian that you've called me to be. I want to be the father that you've called me to be. I want you. I want to be the husband that you've called me to be. I want to be the Christian, oh God, that you desire that I be a, a witness and a testimony on my job and those I come in contact with. Give me the word of the Lord. Give me a word in due season. Give me something to say. Order my steps, Father God. Let me be led of the Spirit. I want to Walk in the Spirit, Lord, that I might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Sanctify me and cleanse me, oh God. Oh God, I want to be crucified. I want to be buried with Jesus and risen in his likeness. I want to be a holy vessel. Deliver me from sin. Lead me not in temptation, oh God. I pray, Lord, that I can be kept faultless and blameless, Lord God. Oh, I pray for the sanctifying power that I can be holy and completely sanctified body, soul, and spirit. Oh, crowd to God here this morning. Ask Him for grace to pray during this whole month. Ask Him for grace for this church to pray and to seek His face. Oh, that we might live, that He'd pour His Spirit out upon us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.